Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to the Heme Consults Podcast. I'm your host, Tessie Anwemena. I am a hematologist, physician scientist, educator, and more. In today's episode, I'm talking about how to survive in a hostile work environment. And I'm talking not just about how to thrive, how to, (laughs) I'm talking not just about how to survive, but really how do you thrive in a hostile work environment? Today's theme scripture, today's theme scripture is Daniel 11.32. And before we get started, I just want to encourage you, oh, woman of color and hematology, that you are strong. You are strong. You've come this far. You have lasted this long because you are strong. And I just want to encourage you because sometimes you feel weak and you feel vulnerable and you don't feel like you're strong at all, but you are. And I want to encourage you that one of the areas in which you are strong is in caring for others. And I want to ask you to turn this power that you have inward on yourself. Yes, you are strong for so many other people. What I'm asking you to do is turn around and be strong for you. And what am I asking you to do exactly in doing that? I'm saying the same love and compassion that you show to other people I want to ask that you would just show it to yourself as well. The same care and concern that you apply to others. I want to ask you that you turn it around and you show up in that way for yourself because your strength is beautiful and powerful. And sometimes it's best expressed when you're showing love and compassion towards yourself so that you can continue to be the strong woman of color in hematology that you are. And I just want to just thank you, a woman of color in hematology, for the strength that you always display, even when you don't feel strong. Thank you. I see you. I appreciate you. And I know that so many people do as well. All right. Let us turn now to today's episode titled How to Survive in a Hostile Work Environment. And I'm talking not just about how to survive, but really how to thrive. And I'm going to start with a story that actually may be familiar to you because I've told the story before. And that is the story of how I finally got to a place in kind of the middle of my career at this one institution, and I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I had been pushing and pushing and pushing and I'd been like literally pushing against a wall that wouldn't come down and I was feeling weary and overwhelmed and I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. 
And in fact, it was more than that. I just felt like I was surrounded by people so evil that I couldn't keep going. And I actually did quit. I, you know, because you have to, you quit in your mind first before you ever quit on paper. You have decided in your mind that you can't do it anymore. And really, that's where I was. I was on my way out. I had already made arrangements. I had found a new job. And I had the privilege and the good fortune of speaking to one of my mentors who sat down with me and heard my story and then also shared her story of how she also felt like she was in a hostile work environment and she stayed. And one of the things that she shared with me that really resonated with me was that you don't go until your work is done. (laughs) Don't leave before your work is done. And there were many other things that she said to me in that conversation. But my conversation with her was the very first time that I had a chance to rethink my situation and say, okay, so are you saying this is doable? Because in that moment, I felt like there's no way, like nobody can survive in this kind of hostile work environment. There is no way that it's just not survivable. Why would I stay? But when she shared with me her own experience, it caused me to stop and say, huh, okay, well, maybe it is doable. How can I? And I asked the magic question, how? On the one hand, I was saying, well, can I or can I? And the answer was clearly I couldn't. But then I started to ask the question, how can I thrive in this place that I consider to be a hostile work environment? And I changed my perspective and my life turned around. Like, (laughs) same environment, same people. I didn't go elsewhere. But what I did was because I had reframed my experience and because I didn't any longer make it a, you know, I either stay or leave type of situation, I was able to figure out a way to not just survive the environment, but also to thrive in it as well. And that's some of what I want to share with you today. I think there's, as always, three things (laughs) that I want to share with you. And I want to just warn you that some of the things I will share may seem hard. And I'm going to ask that you think about it and come back and revisit what I said. And then, and then come up with your own perspective as well. But the first lesson that comes to me from my experience is that hostile work environments are a matter of perspective. I said hostile work environments are a matter of perspective. And I can almost hear people screaming and saying, are you kidding me? Have you worked where I work? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hostile work environments are real. They're real. They're not made up. They're not fictional. They can't. They are real. And you can feel like you're drowning. It can feel like you're going to just self-destruct if you stay another moment. There's just this feeling of like, I've got to go. I've got to go for my own sanity. And I want to tell you that if you need to go, you should go. But I just want to ask you to pause and think about not escaping yet, right? Because you're going to leave if you're planning to leave, but you're still here. That's the thing. You haven't left yet. 
how can you turn the environment and the situation around so that for as long as you're still here, until you escape, if you've decided to escape, you are still able to do well. And that's really important. How can you thrive until you leave? If you've decided to leave or if you've decided to stay, you're still going to be here for some time. How can you make things change? And I think the first thing that needs to happen is really a shift in your mind of the environment. And what are the shifts that I'm talking about? So the first shift is, is really to think about the question of why did you come? What pulled you here? Because that was a pull, a pull that brought you here. And I'm going to bet that that pull still exists. It may be dampened by layers of negativity, but something pulled you here and something kept you going. And what was that thing? And sometimes one of the things that's really important is for us to stop and reconnect with our why. And that's why when my mentor One of my mentors, this mentor I'm talking about, told me, don't leave until your work is done. It really did resonate with me because I was like, wait a minute, what work did I come to do again? Because one of the challenges of the hostile work environment is that it distracts you from the reason why you came. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I know I came for this reason, but mm, 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 I will not die in the process. I am leaving. But I want you to stop and remember why. Remember why you came, what pulled you, what were the things that were in that environment that caused you to say, I'm coming. And to ask yourself the question, does that thing exist? And to what extent does that thing still exist? And part of what's happened in the experience of the hostile work environment is that all the negative stuff has overwhelmed what what was really the kernel of why you came. And sometimes a transformation in our perspective is to go back to the beginning, go back to the why and say, does that kernel still exist? Even if there is still a tiny bit of that reason still there, then the question is, how can you focus on that thing and expand it? Because what we focus on expands. And so one of the things that we get to do in changing our experience is to remember the good things that brought us, the things that still exist, no matter how small, and to begin to focus on those things. And as I began to focus on my why, and for me, I really came to the environment to do research. I came to the environment to really make a difference through research. And that reason was still alive and it was still kicking and it was still possible. And so when the more I focused on that, the more I started to expand that in my environment and the, the more all the other stuff died away. So the more I made that focus bigger, the less there was energy to focus on all the other things. And so somehow I've ended up staying and my environment didn't change, but I changed. <laughs> And that takes me to lesson number two, is that all along, I had choice in how I dealt with my environment. And so when I think about the hostility that I felt that I experienced in my environment, and I'm not making it up, it was real. What I, I didn't recognize was the, choice, the choices, many choices that I had in dealing with the environment. 
And it's one of those things where it's like, it's what you want, but you don't want it like that. You're like, I want that, but not like that. That was my environment as well. And in overcoming the challenges, what I had to do was make a choice in how I existed in the environment. So as an example, you know, in this particular environment, one of the challenges I faced was someone who was very, maybe the right word is two-faced, but it's really like three, four, five-faced, where they would say one thing in, in the room with me and then say something completely different in another room. And if both rooms were to try to come together, they would work really hard to make sure that that didn't happen. So there was just this sense of not being able to trust that I was being told the truth all the time. And it just felt so frustrating to have to deal with that kind of, you know, not being honest. It was very difficult. But what I recognized, and it took me time to come to this realization, is that people can be whoever they want. And you don't have to stay and tolerate it. It's like, so how do I make my interactions with this person smaller so that it's not my whole environment? And one of the challenges when people are, are when <laughs> I want to say difficult to deal with, but at the end of the day, it's really that you have challenge, you experience challenges in your interactions with them. They may or may not be difficult. Other people may you have great relationships with them, right? So it's not always, it's not everybody that has the same experience, not all the time. But whatever was going on, I didn't necessarily have to accept it as my reality. One of the challenges that happens to us is that whatever is like bothersome in, in relationships, we tend to magnify it because we think about it all the time and then we give it more voice, we give it more attention so it gets bigger. Like we can't go anywhere without thinking about this person. We can't go anywhere without seeing this person. But in reality, it's because we give them a lot of time, a lot of thought time, a lot of experience. <laughs> we just give them a lot of time and so our, our minds are always thinking about them. So it feels like they're everywhere, but they're not. It's an academic medical center. Holy cow, this place is huge. Like, you know, you could go weeks without seeing somebody. But I had to make that choice. Like, how do I shrink this person's footprint in my life so that I didn't have to deal with that instability that I was always feeling in my interactions with them? How can I do that? So I had choice in the way I dealt with the environment. One of the other things that I did was to change my work environment. So it was like, okay, well, this is the space in which I work. I'm going to actually now shift and do something different. And that's one of the, actually the beauties of the Academic Medical Center is that it's a huge place. Maybe you do a lot of clinical work in one space. Like where else could you do clinical work? Are there four hospitals associated with your Academic Medical Center? Okay. So if you've been working at one hospital and it feels like this is the place that's presenting the biggest challenge, can you work at a different hospital? Or can you work in a different unit? Can you do the same thing in a different environment? Or can you change some of what you do clinically so that you de-emphasize the thing that's kind of been bothersome to you? So I had choices, <laughs> but I didn't consider what my choices were until somebody laid it out for me that it was not worth leaving until I had completed the work I came to do. And, you know, people talk to you, people, you may have heard people talk about don't leave because of something pushing you away, leave because something's pulling you. 
And so don't let people make you leave before it's time. And some of that is stopping and considering that you actually do have choice in how you interact. And you might say, oh, no, this person's my division chair or my my director. Oh, no, I always have to deal with this person. But think again, how often do you actually have to see them? Okay, so maybe you meet with them once a quarter. Maybe you meet with them once a month. But how often do you actually have to interact? Tell me the number of hours. Is it three hours a week? Mm, Maybe less than that. If you have clinic, you may be next to each other. But do you have to be in the workroom in between patients? Could you stay in a room? So we start to think about how can I negotiate my environment so that the things that really bother me are not so prominent anymore. And so the third lesson that comes to me from that experience is that, you know, as long as I was in that environment, in the environment I called hostile, it was my responsibility to create my own safe zone. And this really came to light for me, especially in a situation in which I was talking or communicating. I was working with my coach one day and I said, you know, someone was reminding me that I'm in a hostile work environment. And she paused and she said, wait a minute you've made changes and you set boundaries. You're no longer in a hostile work environment. There might be hostility around you, but in your space, it's safe. And that actually really resonated with me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is true. I had a responsibility and I took the responsibility of creating safe spaces for myself so that with these boundaries I had created, there wasn't any room for these hostile (laughs) these hostile experiences to cross my boundaries. I said, hey, this is the boundary. Don't come any further. I won't come into your space. You don't come into mine. And it was my responsibility to create my own safe space. And even though I was within a larger environment that I felt may have been toxic, I had created a safe space, a safe zone in which there was no toxicity. And I spent a lot of time in the safe zone. So I see all that to ask you to do three things as you are considering this hostile work environment that you're in. It may be that you are going to leave and I'm not here to convince you not to. You do need to be safe. But as long as you're here, whether that's for three more weeks or seven more weeks or eight more months, as long as you're here, you should have a great environment to work in as long as you're still here. So what are some of the things that you can do? The first thing that I'm going to ask you to do if you find yourself in the hostile work environment is to prioritize self-care and get you some help. We cannot do anything by ourselves. We literally live, breathe, drink, eat community. And that's one of the challenges for us where we're in a hostile work environment. The biggest deal is that You are in a community of people and you don't feel like you belong or you've been made to feel like the outsider. And so it is important, number one, that you are healthy and that you prioritize your mental well-being. And you do need to do that in community. So the one community that you look to may have rejected you, but what other communities exist that accept you and love you and nourish you? And so it is important for you to create or get into the communities where you are affirmed and you're nurtured. And maybe that's not a work community. 
Maybe that's an external to work community. Maybe it's a network of faculty members outside of your primary institution. Whatever it is, get help. Don't try to do this by yourself. What you need is a community of people that affirm you and encourage you. For me in that season, I had multiple communities, including my church community, but professionally I had a group of four women, including myself, when we would meet once a week and I would literally debrief every week and share my challenges and they would encourage me. And so I could always look forward to that conversation as a place where I could bounce off my strategies to create boundaries and they would give me feedback and they would encourage me and they never pulled me down. They always supported me. And that group continues today and is is an important group to have. Many times our work communities are the communities to which we look for nurture, but when they don't give us the nurture we want, then we're stuck. And so how can you prioritize getting help so that you can be cared for as you so kindly and so wonderfully care for others. So definitely prioritize self-care and get help. The second thing I want to ask you to do is to set boundaries. Oh my goodness, set boundaries. I did a prior podcast where I talked about boundaries and boundaries are so important. And in reality, you have your own you're kind of like you think about yourself as property or not property. But if you think about yourself as property, like a house has a fence. And even if you don't have a fence, you do have a boundary. There are boundary lines. They're known. You may not know them, but there's somebody who keeps records, usually the city council or something, that can tell you what the boundaries are. And sometimes what people will do is they will get this information. They'll give it to a surveyor who will help them figure out where to build a fence. And a fence is a physical boundary that exists to tell you where the property boundaries exist but whether the fence is up or not the property still has boundaries but one of the things you do in setting boundaries is using the same principles where it's like the boundaries of where you you stop and somebody else begins are clear but sometimes they don't feel so clear because they're not visible and so in creating boundaries you're making visible and explicit the spaces where you end and somebody else begins so that it's clear that if they're kind of crossing the threshold, they get, you know, they bump into the wall and it's like, why is this wall here? And so I'm speaking metaphorically, but I am talking about the importance of saying who gets to speak to you in the morning when you wake up. And sometimes that's saying, I'm not going to start my morning reading email, you know, (laughs) Yesterday, I was at a meeting where someone was talking about this person wins the award for most responsive by email. And I kept thinking, I was like, I never want to win that award. I want to be at the bottom of that list of people who just don't respond. (laughs) I just, I don't want to do that all the time. But that's one of the boundaries I've created where when I wake up in the morning, that is my, in fact, that's my best time for writing. And even if I'm not going to write, I want to stop and be reflective and just have my day start off well. And so the boundaries I create is that it doesn't matter how ugly your email, I'm not going to read it until I'm in a frame of mind that helps me read it. And it's too difficult for me. I'm easily distracted. I can't look at an email and say, oh, this email came from this person. I'm now going to ignore it because now it's going to sit in the back of my mind. So I just won't even look. I won't even look at any of the emails until I have accomplished the task 
the most important life until I've eaten my frog, right? There's a book called Eat That Frog. Until I've eaten the frog for the day, I don't want to look because if I look, something could be in there that could derail my day. And so it's one of the boundaries I've set up. Nobody else knows about it. I mean, maybe they do because they're like, well, you didn't respond to my email at 5 a.m. Clearly I didn't, but it's a boundary and I'm the one to set the boundaries. No one can tell me when to read my email. No one can tell me how to respond. I set those boundaries. And so I'm inviting you to this week to say, what boundaries are you setting to keep the hostility at the door beyond your gates and not allow it to come in and affect you and offend you? Okay. And then the third thing I want to ask you to do is to grow. And this may come across as like, what do you mean grow? This is a hostile environment. But what I'm saying is not grow and just, you know, be a big girl or, you know, grow up about it. What I'm saying is one of the challenges of environments that are hostile, environments that are perceived to be hostile, is that they distract you from advancing. You're so busy, you're so focused on this thing and it's just taking up all your thought time and it's taking up all of your energy that you don't even have space to think about. How do you advance? One of the things that's important, especially as you start to create these communities that heal you and nurture you and you start to set boundaries is to intentionally grow, intentionally take career development courses, intentionally join new communities, intentionally do career development or personal development, self-help type things so that you expand. And it's so important because when you get better, everything gets better. One of the things about these hostile environments is that people are constantly pushing your buttons and you are in this place where you're like almost like always walking with stress and cortisol, right? The just high levels of cortisol because you're so stressed in this environment. And as you begin to set these boundaries and as, as you begin to create these environments that heal and nurture you, it's like, how can you expand as a person so that the things that used to bother you in the past, you now have new strategies for dealing with them. And in reality, other people may never change, but we can change. And as we change, it changes everything. And so we get new strategies for growth, new strategies to, to deal with toxic situations, new strategies to deal with people who try to control things. We get new strategies as we expand. Now, ultimately, at the end of all of this, you may still leave this environment, but while you're there, while you're still here, even if it's for a few more days, how can you thrive in spite of this environment? So these are the things that I share. And, and I would just say that it is hard. This is not an easy thing. And I think that one of the things that has helped me, if you, if this might be helpful to you, is that I've changed. Other people are still the same, but I've changed they're conversations I no longer have with people because there's no point. In the past, I was trying to convince people like, no, this is how it has to be done. No, this is what you have to do. And in reality, nobody has to do anything differently. I can give them information and say, hey, when you ask me three times what I was doing yesterday at 3 p.m., I feel like you're invading my, my privacy. I could say that. I give them information. But what I don't get to say, or what, what I can enforce is say, stop asking me those questions. Like I can't make them stop. I can give them information as to what it does to me when they do that. 
And then I can say, how do I set up my experience so that I'm not in the space where you can ask me that? How do I let you know that, you know what, the next time you send me an email to ask me that question, I will not respond and then take the ownership and not respond. I get to choose. They can keep doing what they're doing, but I get to choose. And if I'm not in the room and I can't hear all the gossip, I can't hear the put downs, I can't, I can't hear those things if I'm not in the room, I get to choose. And I'm encouraging you and inviting you this week. If you find yourself in this hostile work environment, I'm inviting you to choose and have a different experience for yourself. I want to invite you, if you found this episode to be helpful to you, to find just one, one person, one person who's a woman of color in hematology. And you may say, I don't even know any woman of color in hematology. One person who you think might benefit from this episode and share it with them. And I, I do want you to just choose one person to share it with. If this episode has been helpful to you and you think somebody else might benefit from, from listening to it. As always, if you are in the market for a coach and you want to talk to somebody to think about how to negotiate your career in the academy, I'm the one you should talk to because you do want to work with me. You've been listening to me. <laughs> and send me a PM, send me a DM. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I also am on LinkedIn as well. And even if it takes me a day or two to respond to you, know that I will. And when you do, I'll say, hey, where have you been all my life? I've been waiting for you. All right. I want to encourage you, woman of color in hematology, that you are a strong, strong woman. And don't let your strength be your weakness because you're not applying the strength that you have to heal yourself. I just want to encourage you that you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And I don't want anyone to derail you from what that is. And so fight for what you want because you are absolutely worth it. All right. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. I look forward to continuing the conversation next time. You can visit us online at coatcoach.com as well. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.